today I want to I want to speak to you a message called the Christmas container. The Christmas container, you know, God's been speaking to us a lot about the harvest and, 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 and about how he wants to use us in a powerful way. And as I begin to think about this week and know that uh, I won't be sharing with you before Christmas, uh, we're actually going to let our children do that uh, next week. I, I wanted to share with you uh, one of the, one of the, a part of the Christmas story that has some real wonderful truths in it from Matthew chapter 1. We're going to learn lessons from Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. And um, I'm going to read you this passage, verses 18 through 25. Follow along. This is in the New King James Version. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful passage. It says this, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, that means like engaged, only much more official, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to, to make her a public example, was minded to put her away uh, secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child. And bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, in the Christmas uh, story, probably uh, other than Christ himself, uh, the most celebrated person is probably Mary, and rightly so, right? Mary's story involving Christmas is quite amazing. She has an encounter with God, has such an intimate encounter with God. He overshadows her, and then she begins to carry the Son of God in her womb. It's powerful. Not only is Mary, uh, you know, has this supernatural relationship with God, but she's quite an artist. If you read the, the Christmas account, you'll actually find she breaks into song and she begins to worship God in, 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 in kind of a prophetic song. She is, I mean, she is another level. Well, let me, let me just tell you, uh, just for me personally, um, I have, a, I have a hard time, like, identifying with Mary. Because there's some parts of this story that biologically I don't understand. I, I, I don't have a womb, so I don't know what it's like to carry a life on the inside. I don't understand what that kind of encounter was. It's just something I will have to read, embrace by faith, and celebrate. But Joseph is a guy I can identify with in the story. He's more of like the guy that I can kind of get. 
Because after all, I mean, he just seems like a normal guy. He loves God. He's, he wants to walk with God. And he has a role. He has a significant role to play. He's a just man, and he, he can you imagine the scene? He, he gets engaged in Jewish culture. When you get engaged, in order to uh, break the engagement, you would have to write a formal writ of divorce in order to get out of, of that. That's why they called them married. However, they were not sleeping together. That was part of the betrothal time where, where he would go away and prepare a place and get things ready. And then he would come and receive her and then take her to the bridal chamber. And then their marriage, and usually that betrothal period would take uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, usually a year or so, and it would be kind of a, uh, a random celebration. Sometimes that would happen in the middle of the night, and the wedding, of course, would go on for about a week. The celebration would go on for about a week. But um, now, Joseph, can you imagine the scene? Joseph has his fiance. He's getting things ready, and Mary comes to him and says, Joseph, I have something to tell you. It's very exciting. I'm pregnant. You're, you're what? I, I'm pregnant, Joseph. And listen, God did it. Uh, say that again. God, uh, God did it. We were talking and then he came, his presence came on me. And that's why I'm pregnant. Sure you are, Mary. Sure you are. And, and, and he's doing what any, you know, he's like, hey, listen, okay, I, I don't want to make a public spectacle of her. I can't believe she's doing this to me. But I, 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 I don't want to be the guy that throws her under the chariot. It's 2,000 years ago, there was no buses. Yeah. Some of y'all didn't get that. Uh, I don't want to be that guy. So I'm just gonna, we're just gonna kind of hide this from everybody's sight, and I'm I'm gonna walk away. I'm gonna walk away. But before he did what was really in his heart, the scripture says this: he stopped to think. And by the way, this this might be just a a word for somebody in here. You may be facing a very tough circumstance, whatever. You do. Don't react. Stop and think. And give God an opportunity to speak. And so what we find in this moment are a few lessons we can learn. If we're going to be a, a container to have a role in bringing Christ to the world... We need to learn some lessons from Joseph. Here's the, here's the really uh, uh, mind-blowing part. The container's important. The container's important. 
Years ago, when we only had two children, I had my oldest, Mackenzie, and my, my second oldest, Emily, and uh, there was just two of them. I remember uh, we, we gathered to, together a few dollars, and we bought them a, a gift for both of them. It was a pink Barbie Jeep. Come on, with that little battery-operated one, right? And, you know, they're out riding around in our yard, and then they decided to ride through the neighbor's yard, and he was amazing, so he let them do it. It came with its own kind of beatbox, and they could change the songs. It was awesome. I mean, the point of that gift, that Christmas, was not the box. It was what was in the box. But when we were about to clean up, the girls said, you know, hey, 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 don't throw away the box. Why? You have the Jeep. No, 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 no. That, that box is whatever we want it to be. It's a house. It's a rocket ship. It's, a, it's another Jeep. It's whatever we want it to be. And in that imagination begin to flow. And suddenly something that on the outside looked invaluable when it was connected to a dream it became valuable and I want you to know today that in God's story what you may see as insignificant which is your life God is saying no the container for the light that I want to bring into the world it's important because it's connected to my dream it's connected to what I have imagined for you and so you need to understand today that there's some lessons we can learn from Joseph in this moment. First thing that we can learn from Joseph is that we, we can embrace our identity. Joseph embraced our identity, his identity in this moment where he's thinking and pondering and saying, I'm going to get rid of the problem. He says, no, the, the angel comes and the first thing he says is this, Joseph, son of David. Joseph, son of David. Now, now this is, wait a minute, wait a minute. At first glance, you know, I've, I've read the genealogy just a few, a few verses before. It says, Joseph's dad's name was Jacob. Not David. Why is it significant that the angel sent from God calls him son of David? Because every Jewish person knew. That Messiah was coming through David's lineage. Notice that, that, that when, when, when uh, the angel spoke, the angel didn't call him Joseph the doubter. I mean, after all, he was questioning Mary and the validity of what she was saying, he was really Joseph the doubter, and yet the angel says, Joseph, son of David. He wasn't uh, Joseph the delayer. Remember, he just waited. He was pushing pause on this whole scene. And maybe I should just, should just you know, delay this marriage. I need to delay what's happening here. He didn't call him Joseph the delayer. Matter of fact, he didn't even call him Joseph the defeated or Joseph the failure. I mean, after all, if he really is the son of David and David was a king, what in the world is Joseph doing in a vocation called carpentry? 
His lineage is royalty, and probably, more literally, he is a stonemason. He works with the rock. That is really good. And so here he is. He's not called Joseph the defeated. He's not Joseph the failure because you're not living as royalty. No, he says, I see you for who you are. You are son of David. And here's why that's so significant. Isaiah 9, which is quoted a lot during this time of year, it says, For unto us prophesied 700 years before Christ would come, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And here it is, and upon the throne of David. And over his kingdom to order it and establish it with just judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Imagine this. He says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will bring Messiah out of the lineage of David. And, and this angel is saying, the zeal of God is aimed at you, Joseph. In your life is to bring forth something significant. Joseph had to embrace God's calling on his life to bring Christ into the world, and we must do the same as his sons and daughters. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, in a moment where Timothy was shaken and not real, he's kind of questioning his own call. The Apostle Paul gives us these words inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, Speaking of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Aren't you glad that God's call on your life, it doesn't have to do with your performance. It has to do with God's undeserved favor called grace, which will not only lead you into salvation, but will divinely enable you and carry you into that calling. He was Joseph the doubter. He was Joseph the delayer. He was Joseph the one who wasn't living according to his lineage. And yet God said, by grace, you're Joseph, son of David, the zeal of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord, I believe, in this hour is aimed at the church once more. Because through Christ, those who have placed faith in Christ and have been born again by his own spirit, God is saying in the last hour, I'm calling you to be a church that brings the light of Jesus into a dark world, who brings hope in the midst of despair, who brings life in the midst of death. I'm calling you. And you say, well, you don't know my failure. Well, good news. God doesn't call you by your failure. He calls you according to his faithfulness. You see, God's calling and plan for your life is given to you, listen to this, in Jesus before time began. 
I don't have a lot of time to spend on this. But you could just sit down there, right there on that passage, and spend, I don't know, two, three, four, five hours getting your brain twisted, thinking before time. You know, God doesn't exist in time. He lives in a place called eternity, which overlaps time. I told you I can't go there. I don't have time for that. The clock is ticking here, just not there. And before you ever drew your first breath, God had a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. And while you may feel like Joseph the failure, Joseph the delayer, Joseph the doubter, I'm telling you today by the mouth of God, you are Joseph, son of David. You're the one that is called to bring forth the light of Christ into this world. Not according to our works, but according to his faithfulness. It's not up for debate. God desires you to bring Christ to the world. There was no debate any longer when the angel came to him. I like this next part because I could really identify it. The second thing that the angel said after he said, Joseph, son of David, he says, do not fear. So Joseph fought his fears. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Why would the angel say do not fear if Joseph actually wasn't living in fear? He was in fear, but what was he in fear of? He was afraid of losing his reputation. You remember how God called him? You remember what God called him? He said, Joseph was a just man. He had spent his life obeying Jewish law, holding fast to the customs. He would not even eat anything outside of the kosher list. He was a just man who put God first, who celebrated the feast, who gave the sacrifices on a, in a yearly way. He was a just man. And now there is this moment where the world around him is going to look at him like he's a fornicator. You didn't wait on marriage. It's what the whole world would say. Matter of fact, the accusation even comes to Jesus when they tried to accuse him of being born in sin. What they were referring to is what the common belief was about Joseph and Mary is that they had been living in sexual sin before they were married. And so here he is, he's fearful of the social pressure that's coming, that will come against him. He's afraid of losing his reputation. Well, let me tell you what Proverbs 29, 25 says, because all of us need to learn how to face our fears. It says this, the fear of man is a snare. But those who trust in the Lord shall be saved. The fear of the Lord is a snare. You know what a snare does? It captures you and keeps you from moving forward. It paralyzes you. 
So when you are caught in fear, you cannot move forward in God's call for your life. You're caught in fear. And let me just tell you, church, if you're living in this hour in the fear of man, you won't walk in the assignment that God gave you before before time began. You'll be in a snare thinking about, man, what is, what is man going to think? What's my job going to think? What are my friends going to think? When, when all of a sudden I'm doing what God has made me to do, but they don't understand what I'm doing. That's the fear of man. And let me, let me just say, we've all been there. Anybody ever had a fearful moment that just dramatically impacted your life? Oh, I had one in the seventh grade. Was terrible. Was at Mulberry Junior High School. I don't even know how I ended up in drama class. The last thing I wanted as a human being was to ever be in front of people. And somehow, I didn't sign up for it, they put me there. They put me in this drama class, and I can remember what happened. We go into that class, and we're all getting accustomed. Hey, well, this is a, what we're going to do for a grade is we're going to do some plays. We're going to do some skits. We're going to do some acting. I had never done uh, m- much of that, you know, so I said, okay, all right, I'll learn how to do this. And then the teacher stands up at the, at the front of the class and says, and this year we will make history. This year, for the first time in the history of Mulberry Junior High School, we will do a three-act play. I didn't really know what that meant. Never had the drama department ever attempted to take 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds and to present them before people in a lengthy way. That's what that meant. I was terrified. So, I did what I was going to need to do to get a grade. I am going to try out for the non-speaking, the non-speaking part. It was, the, the name of the play was called Your Guests Are Ghosts. These ghosts wanted to hire some people to run the hotel that they were living in. I was going to be the nutty professor ghost. This is all he did. He had a lot of makeup, little glasses, hair crazy. He would walk in stage left, look around, walk out stage right. I'm like, that is for me. That is for me. I can handle exactly two seconds of exposure to five or 600 people. Come out, bow at the end, perfect. I come out, I'm trying out for this nutty professor. They made me read a few lines. Then when they were casting the play, called my name. They called me by my nickname, Audie. They said, Audie, I would like to announce you have the lead of this play. Um, I, I looked at the script it's, it's the, and lines on 63 pages. I am 11 years old. And I studied and studied and studied and studied and we worked and practiced and all the rest. 
And um, the day comes for the, the play. And I, I'll never forget this. Stan thinking the, 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 the curtain is about to come open. I had so much stage fright. I thought, I am going to vomit in front of all of these people. I'm going to ruin the play. I'm going to vomit. They're going to have to stop the play. And I go out and I really feel it. I'm like, this is it. And I just kept going through my lines. And all I could think about was, I'm about to vomit. I'm, I'm saying the lines, but I'm thinking, I'm going to throw up right here. This is going to be the worst experience of my life. And we get through the first act and the second act and the third act. I'm sick the whole play. The curtain closes and suddenly the nausea lifts. We bow and I'm in the back and I'm wiping sweat off. And I'm like, I can't believe I didn't vomit. And then my teacher comes back and he, he comes back and he broke all the rules from today. He comes to the back and he hugs me big. He said, that was the best performance I've ever seen in a middle school. I'm like, I thought I was going to vomit. I think because I was thinking about my issue, thinking about my own fear, it actually freed me to do something better than I could have ever do, done it if I had been focusing on the task. I want to say to you today, you may be fearful of God's call on your life. But instead of just focusing on the fear, turn your focus toward God and let him work out the details of what he has called you to do. Why don't you just turn your eyes to him and say, okay, God, I'm fearful. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what you tell me to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, really afraid. What was Joseph afraid of? The angel says, do not fear, but take. Take your wife into your home. Take Mary to be your wife. He was afraid. Let me say it to you this way. You need to love the people that God loves. See, the question was, was Joseph going to love Mary, who God loved? His thought was, no, I'm going to put her away. And his fear was, was so immense. He's like, I I I'll even do it privately. But God comes and says, no, take her. He doesn't say tolerate her. He's saying, receive her and love the ones that I am doing the work in. Love people. I want, you to shoot. I want you to understand this. This is what God is saying. Never be afraid to love the people that I love. It might be messy, but it will be worth it. I, this is what God is saying. I am doing something in the people around you that can and will change history. But will you love them? 
and not be afraid to love. Some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have gone through all kinds of relational pain. You've gone through mistakes in that area. And what's it caused you to do? You've just kind of put that part of your life to the side. And God is saying, don't fear love. If we're really going to carry Christ to this community, we're going to have to say, I'm not afraid to reach out. I'm not not afraid to love the unlovely. I'm not afraid to love the, the castaway, the misunderstood. I am going to love the ones that God loves. And when we do that, it creates an environment. We build an environment that fosters God's plans and purposes for other people. And it is, isn't it amazing that when Timothy was shaking in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he's, God says to him, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's saying, listen, here's fear. I know you're feeling it. He says, but the Spirit of God in you, it's going to give you power. He's going to divinely enable you to do what you can't do. And here's the other thing. Love is able to conquer all. It never fails. And so instead of fear, love. And I love what this says. And he says, and God's Spirit will give you what? A sound mind. Remember what he was doing in this story? He stopped to ponder. He said, i got to get God's thoughts. So the antidote to fear is all wrapped up in Joseph in this one moment where he says, I'm going to walk in God's grace to love the ones he loves. I'm going to create an environment where God's plan for her can manifest. And I'm going to do it through thinking thoughts that God is thinking. If I was to make it plain for you today, it would be this. Fight your fears and love people into their destiny. Fight your fears. Overcome them and fight them. Now, this last thing, it blows my mind. This lesson that I can learn from Joseph, this blows my mind. Joseph proclaimed his name. I don't know if you get that at at first glance, but let me show you what God said. To an earthly man. He said. And she will bring forth a son. Listen to this. And you. Joseph. Shall call. His name. Jesus. For he shall save his people. From their sins. We miss this. God says. To Joseph. I want you to name my son. What? No, no, I'm I'm Joseph the doubter, remember? I'm Joseph the delayer. I'm Joseph the failure. No, no, no. God says, no, you have to proclaim his name. Notice it doesn't say, and I will call his name. God did not say, I call his name that. He says, and you 
shall call his name. You have to proclaim his name. You have to proclaim his destiny over him. You see, it's very important that you understand that, the, that he would have to proclaim his name. Now, names in this time had meaning much in, in the same way that they have meaning today. And Jesus is a transliteration of the Hebrew name Yeshua. And when you break those two down, it, it means this, God salvation. God saves. And so he says, listen, when he comes, you have to be the voice that proclaims his name and destiny over his life. Say it, Joseph, Yeshua. Say it, God's salvation. And as you are saying it, heaven will be applauding. Think of this. God asked a man to proclaim the name of his son so that the fullness of the ministry of his son would come to men. You and I in this hour where God is saying, I want you to be a container to bring the light of Christ, he's still saying the same thing. Proclaim his name. Proclaim his name. Proclaim the name of the son. Proclaim the name of Jesus. Proclaim his name. You see, Christmas isn't about the trees or the lights or the shopping or the busyness. You see, it's still about this one thing. The proclamation of the name Jesus. The proclamation that God loves us and sent his son to save us from our sins if we learn anything from Joseph about bringing Christ into the world it is this I must proclaim his name that's what they were doing in Acts chapter 4 in a moment of just a a tense moment the apostles said let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We understand that as a hallmark of truth, that there is no other Savior. His name is Yeshua. But I'm here to tell you that first proclamation came through one man named Joseph. I wonder if you understand the significance of his name on your lips. What is released when you declare his name? The same thing that was released when Joseph did. The offer of salvation. You know, many of us probably know well. If I were to ask in this room, could you quote John 3.16? Many of you could. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But could you quote John 3.18? It's pretty significant. It says, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because 
He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, his name had meaning. There were actually several Yahshua's of that day. There were just not very many Yahshua Hamashiach's. There were not Jesus the Christ, the anointed ones. You see, we must believe that the, his name carries the meaning of his name and the effect of his name. We must believe in the name of the only begotten of God. Church, I know God is calling us to be that container. We may feel like I'm just the box. Rightly so. But God has dreams for the box. He's got dreams for the container. Embrace who he says you are. Fight your fears in order to love the way that he has called you to love. And then say, I'm going to proclaim his name. By giving myself fully to him and declaring he is the light that has come into the world.